Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mike, you dictated a cold open again. Yeah, for the record, this is our second cold open. The first one did not go very well. No, no. Uh, <laughs> Something highly inappropriate that would have gotten us immediately <laughs> unsponsored was said. And uh, yes. I am just glad that we have a second opportunity at this. So, uh, can, I, can I read you a score real quick? You may, please. And then I'm going to read you something that Alex Kirschner from Split Zone Duo just tweeted. Oh, no. Okay, so with 2.05 remaining in the fourth quarter, the score is Nevada 52, Colorado State 10. Oh, goodness. So Colorado State is about to go. David Dazio doing great. Yes, he's about to finish the season 3-9 and and 2-6 and in the Mountain West. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Wait, no, where's the button? Where's the button? And here it is. Here we go. What's better than this? Guys being dudes. Guys being dudes is right, Mike. In a manner of speaking, uh, <laughs> they're down by six scores with two minutes left. Alex Kirshner, this was tweeted uh, nine minutes ago. Just doing a bit of reading about Steve Adazio's buyout. And oh, look, it drops by two million U.S. dollars on Thursday <laughs> from five million to three million. Convenient. Uh does Colorado State fire Steve Adazio this week? I mean, it's on I'm, the not, table. I'm not entirely sure why Colorado State hired Steve Adazio to begin with. <laughs> His buddy Urban Meyer. So, yeah, if you're trying to ask me questions of, like, should they do this? It's like, yeah, I've been in support of that ever since the, the get-go here, really. Well, uh, you said I'm captaining the ship tonight, right? You're the cruise director, Mike. Once again, by the way, everyone, welcome to Basketball Conference, the ACC football podcast. This is our uh, week 13 rivalry week recap episode. It is Saturday night. It is 1225 Eastern time. Uh, and we're just, you know, we're, we're doing this. We're getting it out of the way. We're putting this in your podcast feed as early as possible. And once again, Mike, yes, you are the podcast or the, uh, the podcast director. You're the cruise director. So you are uh, you're, you're telling us where we're going. Yeah, like you mentioned, 12.25 a.m. Eastern Time, and so far, since we hit record a second time, I haven't yet said anything to get us arrested. Well, you you said it before, but we deleted that part, so we're, yes. we're back. We're safe here. We're good. We're good. Uh, okay, so, so let's start here. Maybe Colorado State should do a coach swap with Virginia. Virginia Tech 29, UVA 24, good place Bronco to start. Mendenhall... Yeah, Bronco Mendenhall is familiar with the Mountain West region of the country. Mm-hmm. Maybe he should go coach at Colorado State. <laughs> yeah, I you know that was the thought that I had earlier today, and and I I was telling you before we hit record, which there was not a whole lot of talking that we did before hitting record. We're just kind of doing it live here, shooting for that. I when when we were doing the preview for this week, I was tempted like hell to pick Virginia Tech in this game at least at least from a spread standpoint yes if for no other reason than like just look at the history over the last like two decades of this game and that's it that's all that matters like it doesn't matter how good either team is this year how good the coaching staffs are who's there who's not where it's being played like what phase the moon is in like what day of the week is it what's the temperature outside like none of it matters 
The only thing that matters is that Virginia Tech has won this game like 16, 17 out of the last like 18 years, basically. Like, and that's all I need to know. Like, I should have taken Virginia Tech, and I didn't. I took Virginia. But the thing that this this just reeks of, Mike, and, and we'll get to this in a couple of these games, is this is one of those situations to me where, and I think it's Stephen Godfrey that has made this reference a couple of times, speaking of split zone, split zone duo, this feels like something is like in the carpets, it's in the drywall, like you you don't fix this by bringing in a new coach, you don't fix this by bringing in new recruiting classes, like the whole program needs to get like a full-on enema, basically, to find a way to just break the streak in this series. Yeah. There's no good yeah. reason that Virginia should have lost this game objectively in football terms, and yet here we are. Yeah, I mean, I'd call it a rivalry, but Virginia has lost 21 of the last 23 meetings, so what kind of rivalry is it, actually? I I have opinions on that particular statement that we'll get to later, but not right now. Keep going. I am so happy. Oh, my <laughs> God. Your boys are going to a bowl game, Mike. Congratulations. We're going, we're going to a f***ing bowl game. Get the button, Joey. Beep. We're starting early. Beep. We're and, going to a bowl game. And by the way, by the way, this is also the point where I remember distinctly doing the Virginia Tech season preview with our boys Paul and Andrew from ESPN Blacksburg, and we got to the record prediction standpoint, and I said I predicted Virginia Tech to go six and six because I just couldn't logic my way to a five and seven record. And here they ding, were ding, 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 on the ding, ding, doorstep ding, ding. of five and seven, and they finished six and six. And your boy was right; they got there. <laughs> yeah, and I and I just listen. If there are any uh, state of Virginia schools out there, or you know, any any schools cool to you know the neighboring three or four state area, if you need to make a bowl game when you're five and six, just schedule UVA. Mm. That's what I would do. Just schedule UVA. It's a good idea, man. Yeah. Also, if you need to, uh, if you need to book a trip to a conference championship game, ask Pitt. <laughs> that, just schedule UVA. <laughs> Works out. Um, Got it. Done. I am. I am. UVA fans are going to hate me after this podcast. I am basking in this on this early Sunday morning, Joey. Really I can't. This is. UVA's defense and UVA fans, this is the part where you start to agree with me on this recap and I, I get less into the gloating and more into the obvious. The defense sucks. And we have talked about that for, I don't know, the entire season. The defense sucks, guys. It really sucks. And you guys got some questions now about Bronco Mendenhall. And this is a question that I asked you, Joey, on the preview going into this week. If Virginia Tech were to pull this off and both teams were to finish 6-6, six 4-4 and six, four and four in the ACC, and one team is pretty happy with their coach going into this, going into this game, right? Bronco mm-hmm. Mendenhall, by and large, everybody pretty happy with them. And one program fired their coach over the fact they went 6-6 six and six and 4-4 four and four in the ACC. What does that say about Virginia's program right now, mm-hmm. right? I, I asked you that question. And now that the game's played out and Virginia Tech actually somehow pulled this off today, uh, the question stands, what is UVA doing here? And I, I'm not saying fire Bronco. I mean, UVA's been in a position where they've had Mike London as their head coach. Virginia mm-hmm. Tech just had their Mike London, and they fired him. And UVA and still... Virginia, what, 
five out of six years? Yes, that is correct. Well, four out of five because you can't really count this year. So <laughs> that's true. He uh, wasn't there today. <laughs> that's but, right. But his, but even if even if he was there today, his right, team let the record show history show his coaching staff like they won the game today. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is this is a new low for Virginia football. I mean, you lost to a team that has a quarterback who for a large majority of the season hasn't really been able to complete a forward pass. You have Virginia tech is without their top receiver in this game. Trey Turner defensively. They're without their top defensive back, Jermaine Waller. Virginia tech has an interim head coach and has had one now for the better part of the last two weeks. Mm -hmm. You have Brennan Armstrong, one of the best quarterbacks in the entire conference, and you still couldn't get it done. And you were at home. You were in Charlottesville. Yeah. Also known as Lane Stadium North because the fans rushed the field at Scott Stadium. Virginia Tech fans rushed the field. Lane Stadium North. UVA can't do a damn thing about it. I saw all their fans bitching and moaning on Twitter because Virginia Tech fans stormed the field. How about you beat us on the field then? The disrespect. Beat us on the field. My goodness. The disrespect. The disrespect. The Virginia Tech fans rushed the field because there were more of them at Scott Stadium anyway. Oh, Virginia, Virginia in a rivalry game. You're you're six and five. Virginia Tech coming to town. You are a six and a half point favorite in this game or whatever it was. And you or seven. What what did close that? Seven and a half, eight. I, I don't know what the final number was. It was around a touchdown. It was yeah. I, I always kept seeing it around seven. Yeah. And you're talking about how Brian Armstrong is a second coming of Christ and all this stuff. I got UVA fans all year telling me, you know, I got to respect, I got to respect, you know, UVA's quarterback and all their receivers. I did that. I did that on the preview. Mm -hmm. I said, Virginia Tech, there's no good reason for me to choose Virginia Tech based on on field production when you look at UVA matching up against Virginia Tech, Joey, right? Mm -hmm. I told you that. And I gave Virginia the respect, right? Mm -hmm. No more. I am done. No respect for me. There is no respect. Mm-hmm. This was a rivalry game. Virginia had 60% of the stands full, and, and more than half of them were Virginia Tech fans. Mm-hmm. They rushed the field on your home field. Virginia Tech literally was a three-point game. Virginia Tech forces a safety. They fumble it back to you. You are in the red zone, and you can't get it done. Yeah. You can't get it this done against a Virginia Tech defense. Highly suspect Virginia Tech defense, and he couldn't get it done. Highly suspect in this game, by the way. Didn't play well in the first half. Comes out in the second half. UVA scores three points in the second half. Three points. The first three points of the second half. The first three points of the second half and didn't score again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I have nothing good to say about Feels great. Feels great. Especially Feels Virginia's great. defense in this game. Like, my goodness, it's look. Well, okay. One good thing to say is that this was not Virginia Tech's high high water output mark on offense this year. It was not. It was for rushing, though. Well, they came <laughs> up twenty three yards of the output they had against Georgia Tech here a couple weeks ago. So, oh, yikes! Yeah, as much as uh, yeah, as much as they looked like the freaking. Uh, I don't know. There's there's an NFL team reference somewhere in there. Um, y- y- <laughs> goodness gracious, Virginia! Like, and, and and this wasn't even like some varied attack. 
Braxton Burmeister finishes this game six for 14 for 141 yards, a touchdown, no picks. Like, you, the, the, the like, include the Tavion Robinson, you know, three yard completion <laughs> and the Connor Blumrick attempt in there. They, they completed seven passes for 144 yards and two scores. Yeah. To go on top of the 47 carries for 320 rushing yards that they had. This is on Virginia's defense. A hundred percent. Horrible. They were horrible. Horrific. They were horrible on defense. I mean, when Burmeister goes six of fourteen for 141 yards and a touchdown, six of fourteen, he completed less than half his passes. Still had a 93.1 QBR. Mm-hmm. What is Virginia's defense doing here? And look, I real quick, Brandon Armstrong, really good, greedy performance, was not 100 percent. Threw for 400 yards. Like I said, Virginia Tech's defense was not great in this football game. Mm-hmm. Made stops when they needed to. All the respect in the world to Brandon Armstrong. I got no respect for almost anybody else. Like, Dude, this and, is unreal and how just bad the at, defense was. Look at Virginia's drive chart. In the first half of the game, 10 plays, 86 yards, touchdown. 11 plays, 75 yards, touchdown. 10 plays, 61 yards, interception. 6 plays, 75 yards, touchdown. Like, you know, Virginia Tech's defense had like one good play, basically, in the first half, and it created that interception. After halftime... Seven plays, 59 yards, field goal. Six plays, 38 yards, punt. Six plays, 56 yards, fumble. Three plays, three yards, punt. Four plays, minus 24 yards, safety. Eight plays, 51 yards, turnover on downs. Like, you you had the lead. You had momentum and all this stuff. And just the defense, I mean, goodness, this is a low possession game, and your defense couldn't get off the field. Couldn't get off the field. Just a brutal showing for Virginia's defense in particular, but the offense, too, in some spots. Like, you had to come up with some things, and you just couldn't. Like, this is this is, this is is hard to get over if I'm a Virginia fan, honestly. I mean, I mean, imagine not being able to get off the field against one of the worst offenses in the Power Five. Couldn't there's, be me. There's a reason Virginia Tech was 5-6 and six coming into this game. Like, they're not that good on either side of the ball, and yet... You couldn't get off the field on defense, and you kept them on the field when they were on offense. Like, ugh. Ugh. You know who's going to be mad at me for this recap of this particular game? Most Virginia fans. Well, yeah, but a lot of them who have been listening to this long enough know that it comes back around Mm. to pretty much every other school. This one just feels particularly good because Mm. Virginia Virginia Tech is so bad. And looking for a new coach, and mm-hmm. I am not shy to, to say how the state of this program is in total disarray right now. Mm-hmm. And I like and to, that includes to give, some details on like the coaching search. Like, uh, yeah, don't even get me started on that. I, you know, I have no idea who it's hiring, and neither does anybody else. It turns out looking mm-hmm. at the boards, like people who are supposed to be in the know have no idea, and. You know, I, I know about some stuff. Coaching sources is not one of them. Like, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I have any idea who's going to be hired because I don't. You know, there's there's a list of candidates. Who knows? We'll see. You haven't texted uh, your buddy Wit this evening? or No, right. Yeah. Yeah. Me and Wit on, on – uh, he follows me on Twitter. That's about all we got going. And I don't think he's going to respond to a direct message. There you go. Well, I, I give it a shot, Joey. <laughs> a couple more swigs. I'll uh, go ahead and do that. Uh, like I mentioned, long you know who's night ahead, Mike. You know who's you know who's gonna be real mad at me for this recap. 
uh, our friend Angry Breggs, who posted two years ago a review that said uh, most of them, most of the show is them talking drunkenly, and then the actual Check. review was uh, the hosts are void of professionalism. Check. Check. I mean, if you're looking for me to be professional about this, ain't happening. Yeah. Not happening. You come to the wrong place. <laughs> Very observant one. It was. It's one of the more accurate reviews we've received. It is very accurate. Um, yeah. I just, goodness. And there's a piece of me too that like, can can we agree? Like, Virginia was a pretty decent team this year. Like they were like one of the you know top half of the ACC teams. Right. Just in general. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think so. And if nothing else, like their passing offense, really pretty dang good in a lot of ways uh yeah in most statistical ways yeah very so, good so coming back to what we were talking about in the preview with all that being said for them to finish six and six and four and four in the ACC and, and especially you know a couple of those losses being to North Carolina and out of Virginia Tech where teams that are not not uh you know not giant killer teams and and they they should uh and if we're being honest about things like they should have lost to miami while yeah. we're talking about like teams that you know they they lost to that they should have beaten well there's also a team that they should have lost to that they did beat that somehow they should have lost to and, and it's louisville right it's oh <laughs> well <laughs> Oh wait! Oh, you're talking about Miami. Sorry, I forgot. Yeah. Oh my God! I didn't even think about that. <laughs> like the passing offense, for, for, like if you if you were just to start stacking up like ACC teams, like passing offense, rushing offense, passing defense, mm-hmm. rushing defense, like Virginia's passing offense is one of the top ten units in the ACC, easily. Right? Like they're they're effective. Brendan Armstrong is good. He scrambles well. He, I mean, he throws to a lot of different targets. He's relatively on target. Other than the he's got one, good, like, re- good receive. He's got good receivers. Yeah. Other than the, like the one scheduled early second half interception that he has every week, like other than that, he's great. And, and besides being able good. to set your watch, besides yeah. being able to set your watch to that, yeah. For them to f- to have that going for them and to finish this season six and six and four and four in conference is disappointing. Yeah, and I think there's UVA fans who are going to be like, oh, I mean, give this team a break. You know, Brian Armstrong was hurt the final three games. It's like, I mean, yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, okay. But, like, he gets knocked out against BYU where you gave up, like, a a metric million points, right? He gets hurt in that game. He misses Notre Dame. Yeah, he he went out of that BYU game after you'd given up 49 points through three quarters. Like, Right, right. But, like, look, listen. For the UVA fans out there who think that Virginia would have beaten Notre Dame with Brian Armstrong, they're just ill-informed people, Joey. Virginia no. Tech ran for 320 yards on UVA tonight, and Notre Dame's rushing offense is way better, way better than Virginia Tech's. Yeah. Uh, you know, Notre Dame won that game 28-3. You know, would Virginia have scored more points? Sure. Would they have still lost by multiple scores? Yes. You know, and then Armstrong was back against Pittsburgh and it's like, oh, well, you know, maybe maybe Brian Armstrong, you know, wasn't 100 percent there. I mean, 
He gave up 48 points, and Brian Armstrong was 36 of 49 for 487 yards, three touchdowns, and three touchdowns and a pick. Like Brian Armstrong's health was not the reason why you lost a pit last week. Yeah, you know, and it, and he wasn't Whatever the reason flak why. Whatever jacket he was wearing was good enough. Yeah, and look, I know he got knocked out of this game briefly, and he came back in, but he was still good after he came back in the game. Like Brennan Armstrong's health was not the reason why you lost this game either. It's the defense. It's the defense. And Bronco was known for having pretty decent defenses at BYU, and he's got to figure that out here at UVA because as soon as he has a really good quarterback go out the door, I don't know what this program's going to be. He's lucked out with Bryce Perkins in the transfer portal. He got Brennan Armstrong in the door. And Armstrong's been pretty good, we can agree. Mm-hmm. But if he doesn't, and look, he, he's got Jay Wolfolk, who looks like he's going to be the heir apparent to Brandon Armstrong, but it's pretty clear from what I've seen, Gay's a freshman, mm-hmm. it's been pretty clear from what I've seen of him that he's not Bryce Perkins and he's not Brandon Armstrong. And I think you and I can agree, if Brandon Armstrong's not on this team, this is like a three-win team this year. Yeah, no, they're, they're so, not good. I, they're not very good. So... um I got some questions about UVA. They lost the final four games of the year. They lost a game to North Carolina by 20 points, a bad North Carolina team. They lose by three scores. They beat Louisville by a point on the road. They beat Miami by two on the road. Oh, it's going to two field games, goal. Two games they could have absolutely lost. In the Miami game, they should have lost because that was a chip shot field goal they missed. Mm-hmm. They gave up 66 to BYU and Provo, Broncos' former team. Notre Dame runs all over them in a four-touchdown victory. They can't stop Kenny Pickett in Pittsburgh, and they can't stop Braxton freaking Burmeister in Charlottesville on Saturday. What are we doing here? I want to I want to wrap this up, this particular game, by reading a tweet from Streaking the Lawn, Mike, which is the SB Nation blog that covers Virginia. Yep, says still angry. Borderline Heisman quarterback and the best offense in school history that just had just driven the field, and the call was a tossback to a lineman on third down. Uh, how have we not talked about that yet? Yeah, the the, the whole end game sequence here was just a, a textbook example of malpractice by Virginia. Um, th- like you're down three, you've got the ball on your own end of the field. Uh, you, you're trying to make something happen. I believe it was on a third down, and like the ball gets spiked out of Brennan Armstrong's, Armstrong's hand, hands. Yep, and it it squirts into the end zone. Thankfully, a Virginia lineman falls on it to make it only a two point play instead of a six to seven point play, basically for Virginia Tech. So now it's a five point game. You try this onside kick. Virginia Tech recovers in field goal territory because of Trey Turner recovered, by the way, and he that was the only play he. He was on the field for on Saturday <laughs> that yeah I mean he's gotten beat up and been a mess this year that's it was uh, a healthy scratch as JC Price termed it they yeah. just didn't want him to play today and, and get out there and get himself hurt yeah well hey sure make a business decision for you Trey Turner I, I yeah. like it I get it. yeah tech tech didn't need him it was fine yeah um so Trey Turner goes out there for that one play catches the ball sits down and uh Virginia Tech has the ball with two and a half minutes left and that's about it except then somebody sticks their helmet on the ball Braxton Burmeister fumbles Connor Blumrick actually sorry the backup quarterback the other backup quarterback for Virginia Tech uh, yeah 
I think Virginia Tech's quarterbacks are all backups, by the way, at this point. But uh, yeah, I mean, they they all have they all have opposable thumbs, but you know, that's about all they got going. One of them runs out there to take the first snap of the game, but they're all backups. It's fine. Like yes, I mean, they all play like backups. So <laughs> they they all play like Jay Wolfolk of UVA. Yeah. So Connor Blumrick just you know lets somebody put their helmet on the ball. Uh, Virginia picks up p- picks it up. Works it down the field, has the ball in like the 15 yard line, and uh, then on what was it, third and goal? It was basically, it was basically third. It was basically like third and goal. I mean, it was third and, oh, I can get you the actual. Yeah, they were on the, yeah, they were on the 12 yard line, something like that. Let's see. The official play was third and eight from the nine. So it's basically. It's basically third and goal. You can get a first down by getting to the one yard line, or you can just yeah. get in the end zone. And yeah, somehow that was the time to run like the throwback tackle pass to Bobby Haskins, UVA's <sighs> left tackle, who caught that pass. Which I'm glad you have that in the playbook. I'm not glad you pulled that out at that particular moment. Like, what are we doing? That was a Virginia Tech's play call. Virginia Tech secondary cannot cannot defend all of UVA's weapons. Mm-hmm. They can't do it. I said on the preview, they we, can't do it. We we specifically named how many different pass catchers for Virginia. They and, have and they threw it to none of them. It's it's unbelievable to me that UVA, when you look at their receiving core, UVA has. Six guys, I'm sorry, five guys with over 500 yards receiving this year. Mm-hmm. Like 50 plus. Five catches. guys with, yes, five guys with over 500 yards receiving this year. And UVA decided to throw it to a tackle on one of the biggest plays of the game. Like, you know what? Now, let's not throw it to Dontavian Wicks. You know, Keaton Thompson, you're leading the team with 71 receptions. Now, now we're not going to throw it to you. Billy Kemp, you've had a pretty good game. Now we're not throwing it to you either. Rayshon Henry, you're a senior. You've been pretty reliable all year. We're not throwing it to you. Jelani Wood, six foot seven. You scored a touchdown earlier in the game. Now we're not throwing it to you either. You know what we're gonna do? We're gonna throw it to our left tackle. Let's do that on third down. They'll I never mean, suspect that, Mike. They'll never, they'll never, they'll never see it coming, Joey. They'll never see it coming. Because I think there was a wide receiver split out to that side, so there was like extra defenders that way yeah yeah it was it was blown up it was just blown up i mean you get what you deserve (sighs) yeah you get what you deserve i've had i've had a lot of fun with this recap i'm having fun let's just say mike it's been 26 minutes it turns out this is not only a virginia or virginia tech podcast so let's move on if we i'm having a good time i'm having a good time uh virginia tech 29 virginia 24 goodness gracious who's um we I, i feel it with you i i feel it like that that sucked. Mike, where to? Let's talk about a game I was really wrong about, but also I don't feel that bad about it because, I mean, I don't think Clemson played particularly well. Clemson 30, South Carolina nothing, and I don't think Clemson was that good. Is that weird to you, say? You've literally got just like the ACC wheel of destiny in front of you. <laughs> there is no rhyme or reason to the order we're going in. And yeah, no, no zero. Uh, I, I will say this. Clemson, yeah, I mean... <laughs> Clemson just won a game by 30 points in which DJ Uyengalale threw for a grand total of 99 yards, no touchdowns, and a pick. Like, what does that tell us? <laughs> Where is Clemson right now? And and is Big Cinco really, truly 
the guy that they need to be running out there at quarterback? I don't think so. I think the reason no. they won this game is that Will Shipley went for 128 yards and a touchdown on the ground uh, to go with Kobe Pace and Phil Maffa also adding touchdowns of their own. Like The fact that Clemson is only capable of running the ball, even against a defense that is as imperfect as South Carolina's, Dude, what are we doing with Big Cinco here? Can can he move on? Is it time? I'm sorry, Big Dave. Yeah, can we? Yeah, I really just feel like we need to apologize to Big Dave, who has actually retweeted our podcast before. Love which you, is Big hilarious. Dave. Yeah, love love you, Big Dave. We are a Big uh, Dave Uyengalale podcast. We we are, <laughs> you know. And DJU is going to go on to have a really great career at like Southern Mississippi. <laughs> I. I mean, what are we doing here? <laughs> Joey, Joey, he went 9 and 19 against a 6-win South Carolina team. I mean, uh, what are we doing here? Uh, well, a 6-win South Carolina team that's won 6 games by like a Christmas miracle, Mike. Like Yeah. They're not good. No. Uh I mean, I I don't regret anything I said on the preview though. Like, if you had told me, Joey, if you had told me the box score was going to read DJU was 9 of 19 for 99 yards and an interception, and Will Shipley had 19 carries for 128 yards and one touchdown, you know what I would have told you? South no Carolina chance. plus 11 and a half. South Carolina plus 11 and a half. There is no chance I would have told you that Clemson won that game 30 to nothing on the road. Mm-hmm. No shot. That's No that's, shot. That's the weird thing in trying to handicap Clemson this year is that their defense like despite what of a mess their offense has been basically from start to finish the entire season and and it's you know it's kind of funny to think back to that first weekend of the year when they played Georgia in Charlotte and it was this heavyweight slugfest like top five game and the whole thing and uh and Clemson scored three points and it's like well okay well you know They'll have it next week when they play. It was like South Carolina State, and they, you know, racked right. up forty some points. And then it was like next week against Georgia Tech. It's like okay, well they're going to just hand Georgia Tech's ass to them. And then they scored fourteen points against the Yellow Jackets, and it's like Georgia Tech's defense might be really good. And then like and like the more that you keep going, the more you realize like maybe just like Clemson's actually not that good at offense. Like right. Yeah, maybe they're just bad at this this year. But at the same time, even through like a, a pretty ridiculous run of injuries and all this stuff, Clemson's defense has still been absurd. Like their defense is legit really, really good. And so it doesn't really take that much from their offense to win a game by like three or four scores. Not against low-level ACC teams, which is basically what South Carolina is. Right, yeah. Yeah, they would be probably in a in a similar place uh, in terms of bowl eligibility <laughs> a, as they are in the SEC if they were in the SEC. So Yeah, I mean, South Carolina would keep it competitive in Charlottesville. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have fun tonight. Yeah. Uh, I... South Carolina's offense was really, really poor in this game. And I guess it, my thought with previewing this game was that even a poor South Carolina offensive performance probably is good enough to keep it within a couple scores. And and once again, like, no regrets, Joey, on that, mm-hmm. by the way. Like, no regrets. And congrats, you were on the right side. Congratulations to you. But, like, 
I look at the stats and I'm like, how is this game 30 to nothing? Mm-hmm. So, and then part of me is also like, and I guess this goes to your point about Clemson's defense. I, I guess part of it goes to the point, like even in a down year for Clemson, their defense is so good that they still went nine and three. And this mm-hmm. is like an atrocious, this is like not a very good, I don't want to call it atrocious, but like pretty bad offense. They're hard to watch, man. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, to still win this game 30 to nothing with a box score that I just read to you where DJU doesn't complete 50% of his passes, throws a pick, doesn't score a touchdown. The the running game, you know, Will Shipley was good, but like the, and the running game actually averaged like non-sack adjusted average over six yards per rush, which is pretty solid. But there was no passing game. And overall, like throughout the entire game, like it, w- it was 17 nothing at halftime. And it felt like that was probably too much for South Carolina to overcome. But I wasn't like real confident that Clemson was going to score 30 or 40 points in this game either. Mm-hmm. Like going into a half. I mean, this was, it was, it was weird because it was a dominant performance, but it also felt like South Carolina was never out of it, but also never really in it. It was just a very weird, ho hum, Clemson performance on the road. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and, that, and that's another one of those examples of games where it's, it's like it doesn't matter how good one team or the other is in a given year and, and how well one has been playing or the other. It's, Clemson has dominated the series outright basically since uh, uh, Steve Spurrier left South Carolina. Like, Dabo hasn't always dominated the series, but since Spurrier left South Carolina, like, I'll have to look it up, uh, and I'll sit here and try to Google this as we go, but um, Winsipedia, shout out to Stephen Little and our friends at uh, section103.com who's related um, like South Carolina has not really been all that particularly close. Right. Like think back to some of those like Jadavian Clowney, like S- Stephen Garcia. There was, a, there was another uh, quarterback there. Oh, Stephen Garcia. Good Lord, man. That's a name, right? That is, that is a name. Didn't he get like kicked off the team eventually? Uh, maybe, but that was really a shame because he was, I mean, he was like a pop star around uh, South Carolina. He he was yeah. He was like the Mick Jagger of South Carolina. It was great. Um, they, yeah, they they could have used him this year quarterback. Yeah, um, yeah, no, yeah, like Dabo Swinney, uh, or, or sorry, Steve Spurrier in 2013 was the last head coach at South Carolina to beat Clemson. Like, I was still in college when that happened. I've got a kid now. Like, yeah. And and I've I'm, I'm on like my third company and like there's been a lot of life that has happened for me since the last time that South Carolina beat Clemson <laughs> in a football game. Like that's the point I'm trying to make is that this game is 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 so far gone and and I don't know what it's going to take for Carolina to one you know someday once upon a time get back there to where they can win this game, but it's not soon I don't think and and, and so again as much as South Carolina was six and five and they had, you know, they had overachieved expectations. I think they were like a four win projection kind of team and they were up to six and they were playing in Columbia and all this stuff. That's where I was kind of approaching this from like a, "Mm, okay, well I see that, but also they're playing Clemson who doesn't really matter. 
you know, like they, Clemson's just going to walk in here and, and beat that ass. And that's what Clemson yeah. did. Right. Yeah. That's exactly what Clemson did. Uh, I'm going to read you a, uh, a st- another stat I just came across. And again, this has nothing. What this is what happens when we record late at night mm-hmm. on Saturday after we've had varying amounts of drinks all day. Mm-hmm. Uh, you come I'm up with stats like this. Just, maybe it's just me, but yeah. So, uh, <laughs> Well, yeah. So Nebraska finished uh, one and eight in Big Ten play, dude. <laughs> and read me the stat. I want to know. Well, I guess what their point differential was. Uh, like minus thirty three or something. Like their point differential was zero. Oh. They had a zero point differential. And they went one and eight in the Big Ten. Gosh. Uh, so that's a stat. Speaking of, don't fire Scott Frost on that. No, uh, they had nine losses. Eight of them were by one score or less, and the one that wasn't was the Ohio State game, and Nebraska lost by nine. I think that was the so, stat that I saw was they were the first team in the FBS since before World War II, basically, to lose nine games by single digits, like. In basically what chalks up to impossibly bad luck except there's not really more than one or two of those games that you would say that they got unlucky it was more like they just gave up leads in astounding fashion every week like, yeah so I don't know how this related to Clemson South Carolina but uh yeah <laughs> Yeah, pretty brutal way to finish the season for Nebraska, for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, so that was a little random. Sorry about kind of taking us that direction, but I am the cruise director. Do you have anything to add on this thirty to nothing Clemson game? Because if not, I'm going to cede the floor to you for another game that was a shutout. Uh, last thing I have here is three words, and it is "told you so." Sure. Okay. Uh, moving on. Uh, number one, Georgia, 45. Georgia Tech, nothing. And I mentioned to you uh, over over text that – oh, you know what? It was not over text. It was on the ESPN Blacksburg pregame show today previewing the Virginia Tech game. We had Joey on. Mm-hmm. I did that with Paul and Andrew, who we've had on here before previewing the Virginia Tech season, and, and we brought bit, them up earlier, actually. A little bit pulling back the curtain here. I'm like – 65% sure that they included me on that DM by accident. And Maybe. then I just ended up on the show. So it worked out great. Yeah, uh, it was fun. It was a great time. <laughs> and I mentioned that uh, I was taking Georgia today, minus mm-hmm. the 35 and a half, but I wasn't betting it. But I thought about betting the Georgia Tech team total of uh, what I thought was going to be around nine or 10, which is what it was earlier in the week. Mm-hmm. Team total actually closed about two and a half hours before game time because I checked it one more time it closed at uh, a Georgia Tech team total at around 10 o'clock this morning at seven and a half and I was like mm, does Georgia Tech score on Georgia's backups mm-hmm. and Joey you know what that answer was hard no hard no they do not <laughs> Georgia 45 Georgia Tech nothing uh this will probably be quick for you because we all saw this coming, but mm-hmm. do you have anything to say for yourself? Uh, I have three words. Told you so. I, uh, oh, <laughs> I, I, 
I, I thought it was going to be fire Jeff Collins, but those those are the next three words I was going to go yeah. for. Okay. Um, okay. No, I no. Fr- frankly, like I I don't have a whole lot of anything to say. Uh, I I don't know what there is to say. Like, I mean, I you know I I was sitting there. I was thinking about it uh, a little bit before we started re- started recording, and I was thinking about some of the the top ten teams that played today, and and just some of the rivalry games that were played. And you think of Ohio State Michigan, um, and you think of Bedlam. And you think of the Civil War, Oregon, Oregon State, uh, and you think of some of these games, and it's like this isn't the only one that was a full, full-on blowout, but this was kind of the only one that really felt like it was never in question to the point that like why would anybody waste their time watching this game? Like it's just like a really disappointing place to be as a Georgia Tech fan, frankly, like I never expected him to win this game. I I put my own American currency on Georgia, Georgia to win this game by at least 36 points. I made money on that wager. <laughs> like I, so at some point, what do you say? But it's just, I, you know, I, I tweeted this out early in the game, Mike, um, Georgia, I uh, let me. I'm trying to remember how the sequence of events happened. I think Georgia Tech got the ball, uh, punted, and then uh, Georgia went down to kick the field goal or something. No, 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 no. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Georgia won the toss, deferred, kicked off. Georgia Tech had the ball uh, on second down. They hand off to Jameer Gibbs up the middle. Mm-hmm. He's stuffed yep. for a, a gain of maybe one. Uh, on third down, they come out and they swap out Jameer Gibbs for Jordan Mason, and then they throw a swing pass out to the into the flat to Jordan Mason, who gained <laughs> I don't know a couple yards or something. To which I'm asking, can I read? Can I read the tweet? You may please. Dan Orlovsky once again sounds like he's about ready to leave the announcing booth to go find someone to slap in Georgia Tech's coaching booth over this offensive play calling. He was like beside himself the entire second half of this game of like. What are you doing, Dave Patnode? And 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 it's it's weird in a way for me to be saying this because I'm also the guy that wrote the article three months ago going into the Clemson game where I said it's time to lose small, and the whole thing is just run the ball, burn clock, try to keep it close, you know, don't get blown out, like the whole thing. So why would then at that point, you know, would I be asking for something different or expecting something right. different? Because right. you're down by 31 points. Yeah, the whole lose small things out the window when you went down by 31 points. Like at some point, you got to try to do something, take some shots or or do something. I don't know. And they weren't doing it. So (laughs) you had you had you had a tweet that went kind of viral that Mm -hmm. I want to mention before Jeff Collins showed up. This is from you Mm -hmm. at FTRs, Joey. Mm -hmm. Go follow him before Jeff Collins showed up. Yes, on on Twitter. um, Also, only fans. Okay, before Jeff Collins showed up, Georgia Tech had a streak of not having been shut out since the late 90s. It was well over 200 straight games that they had not been shut out. Mm-hmm. They've now been shut out in back-to-back games for a third time in as many seasons under Jeff Collins. And Mike is especially excited to read that out because the first shutout in that streak that was mentioned uh, was by his Virginia Tech Hokies two years ago. Yeah, shout-out Keith Derrick for reminding me of that. <laughs> that. Oh, good. Uh, neck crack game. Yeah, I and, and that was, you know, they. Oh, and this is another 
funny, sad memory is uh, that game that they lost two years ago to Temple. That was the whole goal. Oh, was yeah. Don't get shut out. And they thankfully were able to record a safety on Temple to lose that game 24 to 2. <laughs> like when you realize. Man, I forgot about that. When you about realize that. it has been 22 years since this school has been shut out. Like this is not a Kansas. This is not an Oregon State. It's not like a, a Vanderbilt, like totally just useless like just lost cause of a situation. It's not that. And then you realize what this team has become over the last three years. My goodness. My goodness, Mike. I, I don't know that this is something that, that new coordinators is going to solve. And, and I, I look back at it and I think, yeah, you know, at the time that Jeff Collins was hired, I, I got it. I got it. And I think really the, the great way to look at it was uh, what used to be the Barton and Bud podcast uh, about a year ago before Barton Simmons got hired at Vanderbilt uh, to be part of their ad, ad admin staff, basically. They they did a coach hiring uh, show where their whole rubric, instead of trying to give grades of A, B, C, D, F, um, they gave grades of uh, love it, get it, don't get it. Right. And my I think my my take on the Jeff Collins hire was I get it. I didn't love it, but I get it. Um, you know, trying to go for a, a brand hype recruiting, uh, you know, CEO type guy like it's worked at a lot of other places. Um, he's a guy who's been here before. He gets Georgia Tech. He understands some of the challenges like all this stuff. It has become so painfully obvious to me in the last few years since he's got hired. He is in way over his head, Mike. He has he no, no way. idea yeah. what he's doing. He's He's got no idea what he's doing. Yep. So they're going to fire at least one of the coordinators, if not both of them. There's going to be another one or two assistants that are likely fired. They're going to try to hire some new ones. I am not optimistic that it's going to work. Um, I wouldn't be. There's nothing that I've seen thus far that tells me, yeah, he's got this right. But I don't know. I don't know. This is one of those, you know, it just, it's Georgia's the number one team in the country. I am staring down the barrel of watching Georgia win a national title for the first time in 42 years or whatever it's been that it, it was the last thing that Georgia Tech fans could hang over Georgia fans' heads. And, and and that's fine. Like George again, George Tech was a thirty-five point underdog in this game. They were never going to win it. That's that's fine. Right. But just the futility of the whole thing. It's wild, wild to think that it was five years ago. The first year that we did this podcast, Mike, Georgia Tech won this game. Yeah. It wasn't that long ago, and now we're yeah. looking at it like Georgia Tech's never going to win again. I mean, not as long as Kirby Smart's there. Nuts. And, and just, I don't know, awful. There, there's nothing good to say about it. I mean, as long as Kirby Smart is the head coach of Georgia, I don't think Georgia Tech will ever win this game again. That's how it feels right now with it, the state of things. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, unbelievable. The, the mountain of talent that they have built. And, and this is this is where, honestly, and, and I don't know that a lot of uh, – 
people that aren't in the Georgia Tech fan base realize this, that there are conversations like this that happen. That they're, they're asking, should we play this game every year? Does this benefit us? No, it doesn't. Like there's there's a tradition piece and and there's the the just general pride and kind of the the gumption piece or whatever of well of course we play our state rival every year or whatever but like again like you said Mike you ain't gonna win this game again not for the near no. future no why I've, would you subject yourself to this every year why would you do it barring barring a complete turnaround I I don't know what that was what what was that there. I've got the window open. It's kind of nice weather outside, and somebody needs new brake pads, basically. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say your neighbors are getting after it there. <laughs> the bed needs oil on the springs. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, good for them. Um, this is where we point out that it is one uh, twelve a.m. Eastern. Yeah. Uh, the point is, I, I've got nothing good to say about Georgia Tech at this point. And yeah, they're terrible. There, there's going to be changes that are made, and I don't think it's going to make a difference. And you know, it's it's a matter of time. Okay, so you and I have basically just reversed roles, and we're, I'm kind of at late stage Georgia Tech, where yeah. we're hiring a new coach. Okay, at least that'll uh, be fun to talk about. I don't know. Well, yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm at. It's like, all right, well, that really sucked, but at least we can talk about hiring a new coach now. There you go. So, exactly. It's the positive. Yeah, it's like. Yeah, so basically late stage Georgia Tech. Like, this was kind of a disaster, but let's try to get it right this time. That's right. Okay. Georgia 45, number one Georgia 45, Georgia Tech nothing. Uh, no shame in losing your number one team in the country, Joey. Right. All right. So, I mean, came within nine points of covering for what that's worth. That's if, if we want to put the positive spin on things, Mike. Yeah, uh, we can do that. Uh, let's talk about a more exciting game because we've talked about three blowouts. Can we talk about a more exciting game. I'm very nervous where you're going to go with this, but sure. <laughs> well, I was gonna, I was gonna be serious, but uh, I mean, we we could joke, talk about another blowout. Miami 47, Duke 10. Let's get this out of the way real quick. Uh, Duke is Duke's horrible. That was Cutcliffe's last game, right? We're gonna talk about a coaching change there. He's gonna retire, right? I mean, we're not doing this again next year, are we? It, it has to be, right? Like, if not, if not, it really sends a message that Duke doesn't give a damn about football at this point. Yeah. I mean, I want to be clear about this and I want to be crystal clear. Okay. I'm going to try to put this as concisely as possible. Mm-hmm. Ready? Mm-hmm. I did not watch this game. Oh, big admission there. Yeah. Big admission. Did not watch this game. Uh, Miami won by 37. Like I anticipated uh, Duke went up early here. Yeah. They were up 10 to seven in this game. Yeah. Good for them. And then Miami scored 40 unanswered. Okay, so yeah, so it was close, and then Miami just kind of s- snuck out with the win, right? Yeah, Miami's known for uh, winning games close, uh, and a, uh, this was another one of those casual pedestrian five hundred and thirty yards of offense for Miami. Um, so they they just barely got it done, Mike. I had a conversation with you uh, following Duke's fifty-two to thirty-three win against Kansas back in September. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was uh, September 25th, I believe. Hmm. And had a conversation with you about a win total bet that I put in on Duke. 
mm-hmm. where I had Duke under three and a half wins. So let me be very clear. I did not anticipate Duke would be very good this year, but they started the season three and one, including a that included a loss to Charlotte. So I'm thinking in my head, all right, well, they still got three wins. Like they found a way to beat Northwestern, which I didn't see coming. They beat Kansas, which they should have done, but they did it by three scores. That was a little bit surprising. And as Duke sat there at three and one, and I looked at the state of the ACC, I thought that bet was dead, Joey, because I didn't see any way that Duke, after a three and one start, after they beat Northwestern and, and beat Kansas, which I know and Ains, North Carolina ANC, I haven't mentioned. Mm-hmm. I still thought that Duke would find a way to win at least one game in the ACC. One game. Well, they uh, did. Joe, Joey, they threw a ridiculous ball off his back foot that fell into Adonica Sanders' lap in the end zone. They failed to score 30 points in every ACC game they played this year. Failed to score 30. Did not score 30 points once. They got close a few times. <laughs> Uh, did yeah. not score 30 points once in ACC play. They finished 0-8 in conference, and that win total bet hit under 3.5. Cashes. And and start looking at, again, so they lose opening weekend at Charlotte, uh, 31-28, the first time that Charlotte has ever beaten a Power 5 program. That was rough. Not great. Uh, they beat NCANT pretty comfortably. Mm-hmm. They beat Northwestern by a touchdown. Northwestern, not good this year. Bad. And Northwestern turned the ball over like four times in the first half. And right. then Duke didn't score after halftime, but hung on to the lead. Mm-hmm. Then they beat Kansas by 19. And mm-hmm. yeah, okay. That, that was honestly the high watermark of the season. Right. They lose to North Carolina by 31. They lose to Virginia by 48. Wake by 38. Pittsburgh by 25. Virginia Tech by 31, Louisville by 40, and Miami by 37. Oh, and also Georgia Tech by four. So, uh, yeah. No, like they, they lost seven of eight ACC games by at least 20 points. We I have mean, gone not- full circle, Mike. This is back where Duke was yeah. a decade ago, if not more. Doormat. Like, they're, they're a doormat. Mm-hmm. They're a doormat. Not even Georgia Tech lost in this game. And they damn near tried. And they, <laughs> they tried. They really tried. But not even Georgia Tech. So, man, I, I mean, we're, we're not doing this again with Cotter, are we? I sure as hell hope not for the sake of Duke. But it, but, but at the same time, I start questioning. I, <laughs> okay, so if not cut, then who? Like, who's going to step in here and fix it? Like, I don't know if this is a Cutcliffe problem as much as it is just a Duke athletic program culture kind of problem. Like, does Duke care to fix their football program? I don't know. Maybe they should just hire Will Healy. That if you can't beat him, join him, man. They couldn't beat him the first weekend of the year. Can we talk about uh, Manny Diaz real quick? Sure. What are we doing here with Manny? I mean, they still don't have an athletic director, so say, are they going to just like, yeah? I mean, Manny Diaz, for all we know, he's the athletic director right now, right? Like, <laughs> he's in charge of the most important program in the athletic department, and there is no AD. So, 
Manny Diaz is overseeing basketball too. Is that how this works? I was gonna say my my boss took the day off before Thanksgiving, so I'm pretty sure I just am in charge of the group now. Like, sure. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, Manny Diaz. You know, we're not even sure he can run a football program. Now he's running the athletic department. <laughs> I don't uh, know. I think he's coached. I think he's coached well enough to keep his job. Personally, I know my, some Miami fans are listening to this, especially Cam. He's going to be like, "No, we can't do this again," and that's fine. But you found a quarterback with Tyler Van Dyke. I think if he started from the onset of the season, this probably ends a little bit differently for Miami. I don't know if they necessarily win the coastal or anything like that, but they're probably at least eight and four. I would think. Um, you know the. UVA game, especially like that was Van Dyke's first start and he was bad in the first half, really good in the second half. That was a game that Miami should have won and they missed a short field goal. Uh, I get that you are what your record says you are, but you know, this is a Miami season that I think could have gone a little bit differently. And mm-hmm. I know they had a tough, not they had tough non-con. They barely beat App State. I know they had Michigan State and Bama and that's two. It's going to be two top 10 teams by the time it's all said and done. Um, I know Michigan State's just outside the top 10, but they beat Penn State today. You know, those are two top 10 teams you lost to in the non-conference schedule. Pretty brutal slate. Uh, you beat a decent App State team and then kind of go up and down your ACC schedule. But, like, uh, would, I mean, you that, fire Manny, would you fire Manny Diaz right now? It's, I mean, you're what, three years this, in? This is year three. Yeah, and it's and for him in particular, being that he was the defensive coordinator under Rick, like it's not, it's not like well, it's, he's only had three years as part of the program. Like there was continuity there, right? And the recruiting class that you know was the transition class, quote unquote. Like you knew kind of who you were joining to some degree. So it's it's not it's not like he's only kind of had three years. Like there's there's more continuity there from that standpoint. So to me, the question is, after three years, is this program and, and the shape that it's in, the way that it's played and all that, is this either what you want or the minimum is it trending towards what you want as Miami's fan base, Miami's boosters, Miami's administration? And if it's, you know, I, I guess there's there's something that probably comes down to like, if not him, then who are you going to get? And there's been rumors about Lane Kiffin. There's rumors about Mario Cristobal, as with any time that any Miami's head coach comes to, you know, the rumors come to come to a head of, uh, you know, well, they might get Mario Cristobal. It's like, you're probably not. but uh, Right, probably not. But, I mean, if you if you have it on good faith that you can go get Lane Kiffin right now, what, does it matter what Manny Diaz's buyout is? Uh, are you like, are, how confident are you that my, that Manny Diaz is able to build and run a competent power five level football program relative to what you are confident in Lane Kiffin being able to do? Well, low, but I'm also not confident they're going to get Lane Kiffin and I'm sure as hell not confident they're going to get Mario Cristobal. And, you know, yeah. I just don't think that's going to happen. And that, so that's the kicker is, is you, you can't, I don't think you can go in and do it unless you have it on real good word. You've done some back channel negotiations, some stuff that you know, who's going to be signing the contract within a day or so in the way that, that Texas can, ta- uh, can Tam Herman, Tom Herman, 
And then within like 12 hours had Steve Sarkeesian introduced at a press conference, right? Like if you can't I mean, do that, then keep Manny. I mean, look, LSU, I think you and I can agree is one of the top jobs in the sport, right? Yeah, top and top 10 at minimum. And they had like a two month head start on their coaching search. Mm -hmm. And they're still, we know around. we, well, that's my point, right? So Scott Woodward is known for swinging for the fences. So we assume that a big name would be able to land there in Baton Rouge. Mm -hmm. So let's, let's very quickly go. I, I know we're kind of going sidebar conversation here, but very quickly go down the list. Jimbo Fisher, who we hired at A&M said, Nope, I'm good. Like in five different press conferences, he said, I am not going to LSU. Lincoln Riley, after the game tonight, very subtle, Joey. I am not going to be the next head coach at LSU. He could, he could mean anything by that, Mike. It could, yeah, just like Brian Armstrong saying, I broke my ribs. I broke my ribs. Uh, subtle. Yeah. Mel Tucker was another rumored guy there. He got a 10-year extension at Michigan State. He's not going anywhere. What a friggin' luxury, uh, by the way. Just being with Dave Aranda. Yeah, I know. Coaches to 10-year, $90 million extension. Good Lord. What are we yeah. doing? Dave Aranda, he was the defense coordinator on the national championship team two years ago. Uh, yeah, he, he got an extension at Baylor. So he's not going there either. Who are they going to hire? That's my point. If LSU can't land their guy, who is Miami landing? Mario Cristobal isn't leaving Oregon for Miami. I know I it's his alma mater. No shot. Joey, there is, look, I can't put this any more clearly. There is no chance. No chance that I, happens. No chance. By the way, I, I agree with that. Like, no I, chance. I, I, I'm throwing that out there because that's a name that gets constantly associated with Miami. But you're, no. you're correct. There's no chance. No. Like, he, why would Mario Cristobal leave the situation he's in in Oregon, what he's built there? And I realize that they just got hammered last week by Utah. Doesn't matter. Doesn't what, matter. What he's got built there right now is better than trying to step into whatever nonsense Miami's running and saying, like, I could build something better here. Right. And I, I get that the Coastal Division is probably easier to win than the Pac-12 North is, but, like, yeah. It's just, it's not that much easier, and, and the resources aren't that great at Miami. Like, yeah. I mean, Joey, Joey, do you think he's closer to beating Clemson at Oregon or at Miami? Uh, Oregon. Yeah, that's correct. That's oh. correct. So, I mean, point being, and is it easier to win a Pac-12 championship right now? That this is my kind of follow-up question. Does that mean it's easier to win a Pac-12 championship right now or an ACC championship? Uh, that would be the Pacific 12. That is correct. And what conference are they in again? The Pacific 12. That is correct. Mm. Yeah. So uh, he's not going to Miami. That is correct. Yeah. So anyway, I don't know what Miami is going to do. Uh, we turned this into a way longer conversation than mm -hmm. I intended, but it was needed. And <laughs> I just, I mean, Duke's terrible. I don't know what they're going to do. They should probably just hire Will Healy or Chadwell and be done with it and just have them take a lateral step up if they're not the head coach of Virginia Tech, which I'm speaking of head coaching searches that I'm a little bit concerned about. That would be one of them. Uh, Mike, the Saturday night basketball conference recap is for nothing if not going on way too deep on tangents on certain programs but these are good tangents they're good tangents they're great tangents they're great and the people are going to love them even though we're an hour into this podcast we've only talked about like four games so far it's okay uh it's been good conversation can, though i'm good it's it, it has been good conversation and we have a really good game to talk about next that i was trying to talk about right before this one but that's fine. okay well ready I, 
well, I had eight more minutes on Miami and Duke, but we can we can skip those and just keep going. Yeah, we'll we'll uh, <laughs> we'll take that one offline. Okay, ready ready for Friday night? Please Good. do. Okay, number twenty, NC State thirty four, North Carolina thirty. UNC I need a cigarette for, after this game, Mike. UNC led for this entire game. They led for this entire game, and they still found found a way to blow it. How the blue hell did NC State win this game? NC State did not, as weird as this sounds. And first of all, no Devin Leary slander for me. And he's been one of the best quarterbacks in the conference this year. And we have not done the justice of talking about him nearly enough. We've, we've done an okay job of it. We're going to take it up another level. We're going to take it up another level. You ready? You're going to throw four, four touchdown passes. Or? Four touchdown passes here. He's good. He's good. He's real solid. NC State wins this game 34 to 30. This was an unreal second half by NC State, and even more particularly, and, and more specifically, an unreal fourth quarter. Fourth quarter, or, or even more specifically, like an unreal final like seven minutes <laughs> by NC State. <laughs> on, on, and that can work on a number of levels. Yeah. NC State got up 14 to nothing. Uh, they scored late in the first quarter to go up two touchdowns. Uh, and then the offense just like parked the bus for a while. Um, so <laughs> NC state runs a, uh, sorry, blocks a punt and scores a touchdown, uh, off UNC's first drive. And it was weird, Mike, because the, you know, I was watching this as it happened and the in-laws are sitting in the room and I'm staring at the TV, watching the teams line up as North Carolina is about to punt early in the game. And I was like, Something tells me that NC State's going to block this and maybe even score a touchdown on it. And then they did. <laughs> I was going to say, and then what happened, Joey? And then they blocked it and, and fell on it in the end zone for a touchdown. Um, so there was that. So NC State's offense in the first half goes punt, touchdown, punt, punt, missed field goal. So they had a pretty good first half, you could say. Um <laughs> Yes, that's yeah, something like that. They scored seven points on like five possessions. <laughs> and then they go oh, fumble, punt, cringy. touchdown, punt, punt, which, again, going great. Um, they're basically being buoyed by this f- punt block touchdown in the first half. And after all of that, they're down 27-21. And then NC, UNC goes down. And with about two minutes left, they kick a field goal to go up 30-21. to 21, And that was it, Mike. Mm-hmm. Game is over. Well, except. Except. They kick NC off. State gets the ball back, kick off, and Devin Leary, two plays later, throws a 64-yard touchdown well, pass. Well, beginning with miss. Jordan Houston running the kickoff back to the 44-yard line, almost to midfield. <laughs> yeah. I thought he was going to break that. Then Devin Leary gets sacked for a loss of eight. And then on the next play, 64 yards to Emeka Amezi to the house. Uh, and yep. that was a throw that was not really into coverage. It was just they forgot to cover Emeka Amezi. Uh, NC State's best receiver. Yeah. Uh, so, sure, that happens. So then you, <laughs> NC State goes for the onside kick. And naturally, UNC just not anywhere in position to, to make that recovery. Uh, uh, no, NC State had them outmanned in the area where the ball is recovered. So, so once again, Mike, UNC kicks a field goal with two minutes and 12 seconds left in the fourth quarter to go up nine points. And with one minute and nine seconds left in the game, they're now down by four points. 
they had Joey. They had a win probability of ninety six point seven percent when they went up by nine points with three minutes ago or two minutes ago, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, NC State scores that quick touchdown, like you mentioned. They get the onside kick, and a few plays later, they forgot to cover Mecca Amezi again. 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 This was like th- there were a lot of bonkers games this weekend, Mike. And most of them, frankly, were not in the ACC. This was arguably the bonkers game of the weekend in the conference that I I felt real proud of myself on the preview, having picked UNC to at least cover, if not maybe win this game. This is another one of those. Like it's in the it's in the floors, it's in the carpets, it's in the walls. Like listen, listen, listen. You were I want to say you were always on the right side of that. You were always the right side of that, but I I have a bone to pick. Oh yeah, as a NC State minus five and a half backer, mm-hmm. I have a I have a bone to pick with that two point conversion Isn't call. That, they should have they should have hit the two pointer. Fear well, yeah, I mean flat out period, end of story. Yes, they, they should have converted the two point conversion. Um, they threw a fade and Devin Leary's pass like wasn't even the, the receiver didn't even I think it was too Amezi actually didn't even get off the line of scrimmage. Mm. And Leary threw the ball to the back corner of the end zone. It wasn't really catchable because Mezzi never got off the line of scrimmage. So it was just a dead play on a fade. Low percentage throw. Mm-hmm. And Mezzi was well covered. They don't have a better two-point play than that. <laughs> I was I was and I texted you this. I said, I have NC State minus five and a half. Let's see if this cash is here. Nope. Nope. Resounding no. And that would have been a horrible beat for UNC plus five and a half betters. And I get mm-hmm. it. And that was always the right side. So you all deserve to, you know, cash in those bets. But I feel a little bit slighted after that two point call. So I just wanted yeah. to get that out there. No, that was yeah. bullshit. It was gross. It was gross. Uh, it was. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. Frankly, like, you y- you weren't on the right side of that. Literally for fifty, went. for fifty-eight minutes, I was not on the right side of that. Yeah, but I I sympathize with you. I'm with you on that. Thank you, thank you. You you are correct that the way that that one play turned out is like mm, that sucks. Like that sucks a lot. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't even that mad. I was sitting there on my couch. You know, my wife's asleep. I'm sitting there, kind of by myself, watching this, and mm-hmm. I see that kind of just that ball just go incomplete. It wasn't really ever had it never had a chance of being complete really and i was like eh that was really bad but like i was never supposed to win this bet anyway i will say um in th- in this game and there's there's you know the way the game played out is is one story i think there's another story to be told about if you are looking for uh, two teams absolutely putting on a clinic of how to not protect quarterbacks buddy <laughs> This game. Do we have a game for you. Yeah. Yeah. These two teams combined for eleven sacks in this game. Yep. Uh, uh, yeah. Sam Howell, after all of it, finishes with eighteen carries for ninety-eight yards and two scores on the ground. Devin Leary, eight carries for negative thirty yards. Um, and by the way, it, it should tell you something. By the way, that Sam Howell was sacked five times in this game and still racked up almost 100 rushing yards because the one thing that NC State pretty clearly did not plan for in their defensive game plan was 
he's allowed to run the ball because Sam Howell was just running roughshod all night long on NC State, and they just never seem to have an answer. It's like third and eight, you know, four yeah. or five guys wide. Sam Howell dropped back for a second or two, put his foot in the ground, pick up like 25 yards on the ground. Like it, it was like constant, terrible defensive game plan in terms of uh, accounting for Sam Howell as a rusher. Yeah, uh, just it was not great. Like the the defenses were not great. NC State in particular, I had talked their defense up going into this game, right? And you know, congrats on getting pressure on Sam Howell. You know, congrats on the five sacks and the seven tackles for loss. And Sam Howell was they basically had to peel him off the ground a few different times. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, it, in that same regard, like you let Carolina run for almost three hundred yards on you. Mm-hmm. And that's an NC State rushing defense that had been pretty good most of the year. And you let a freshman, British Brooks, by the way, 15 for 124. Not come on. Shout out come to on, guys. British Brooks, man. Come on, guys. He was come on. He was a handful. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I remember going into this game. I think it was Chip Patterson, maybe, from cover three, who and the punt cast, by the way. Who, who made a mention that he was nervous trying to pick this game, thinking that NC State, despite knowing that they don't run the ball particularly well and have, have had a lot of issues doing so this year, they might just try to see, like, oh, well, hey, North Carolina's defense doesn't defend the run like well at all. We're just going to pound it. And then, like, Ricky Person and, and Bam Knight, you know, 20 carries for 131 yards, it's – not terrible, but not great either. Uh, yeah. The the overall rushing output didn't look fantastic. I think they had a couple of explosive runs ultimately, but it did feel like at times that they were really committing to running the ball, even though it actually wasn't really working out as well as maybe the plan seemed like it might have, like might should have kind of thing. I don't know. Yeah, I, I agree. I, this is... I mean, whatever. NC State was up two touchdowns in the first quarter, right? So mm-hmm. I guess for them to like come back and win this game shouldn't be a huge surprise, but they didn't play well for like two and a half quarters. Yeah. Point is, this game is wild. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Hopefully you got to watch it Friday night. Um, yeah, one of the best of the weekend. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, crazy finish, to be sure. Um, congrats, NC State. They finished second in the Atlantic Division. They do, which good season. Yeah, really good year. Nine good and three. season. Almost. Yeah, really, really good wins. year. Almost. Is, yeah. Is this? Never mind. We, we won't have to. We don't have to rub it in any further on that on uh, NC State fans. I have a. Uh, <laughs> we're we're gonna talk about something here. Ready. I'm ready. Let's do it. Uh, by the way, final score there: NC State 34, North Carolina 30. Go. Mike. Thanks for closing that. Thanks for closing that out for me. <laughs> Kentucky 52, Louisville 21. Gross. Um, Satterfield after the game, this is courtesy of our buddy Mark Ennis, said that Levis hadn't run too much during the year, and Levis has been a pretty capable runner for Kentucky. So, if you had to have any idea what kind of self scouting was done in this football game, there wasn't much. It wasn't like, oh, let's see if our defense, like, let's see in prep this week. Like, Louisville's rushing defense has been 
kind of uh, an adventure this year, but let's see if we can prepare for a dual threat quarterback. And it doesn't sound like they did that. Uh, even a little bit. Even a little bit. Will Levis had 14 carries for 113 yards and four touchdowns. He was also 14 of 18 for 149 yards. Didn't record any touchdowns or any interceptions, but did enough to keep Louisville's defense off balance. Uh, in total, Kentucky ran for seven touchdowns on the ground in this football game. Hmm. And that Will is why how, Louisville... How many of them? Uh, he had four of them. Oh. Yeah. So I said on the preview, I wasn't sure how this game was going to turn out. And uh, if you had told me that Kentucky had rushed for seven touchdowns, though, I would have told you that Louisville probably got blown out. That's exactly what happened. Mm -hmm. I mean, what the hell, Louisville? The one thing I thought would happen in this game is Malik Cunningham would throw for a bunch of yards. He was 12 of 20 for 145 in interception. So 2020, Mikhail Cunningham has returned. There you go. They couldn't protect him. This game was, I, I mean... I was texting my dad, and again, my dad uh, was born and raised in Louisville, Kentucky. Like this is that's the genesis of me having like Louisville as my second fandom, basically. Um, like this is another one of those that was like a little bit of the uh, you know it's in the, it's in the carpets, it's in the walls. Like I don't know how you totally reverse course on this rivalry, but like I, I think it was Adam. Adam Puckett or something like that. He, he's like one of the uh, Lexington radio guys I saw on Twitter talking about just like Kentucky is so much bigger in the trenches than Louisville is on both sides of the ball that all they have to do is just sort of lean on Louisville the whole game. And they're just going to rack up yards and points. Like it's nothing like it doesn't take anything. I I watched a decent amount of the first, at least the first half of this game. And it was one of those things, Mike, where like there were a lot of runs and, and such where it was like third and four and Louisville had somebody shoot a gap and uh, like get around the feet of like Chris Rodriguez. And then he like sort of steps out of the tackle basically and then picks up nine yards or something like that. You know, like, they had a lot of opportunities to get off the field to, uh, you know, to kind of flip the momentum of the game and they're just barely not good enough. And then it just sort of snowballed in the second half. Like, like Louisville was favored here. Could we argue that they should have won the game? Maybe should they have gotten blown out here? Absolutely. The hell no. This is a bad, bad look for Satterfield in that program. This is not good. Not good. Yeah, and in, in front Agree. of their home fans, man, in senior in day Louisville at you know formerly Papa John's Cardinal Stadium, now just Cardinal Stadium. Yeah, yeah. Pa- Papa John, Papa John couldn't even watch this one. Yeah, he can watch a lot of stuff. Not this. No. Oh boy. <laughs> oh boy. There it is. There it is. Quick sip. Quick sip. Oh yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah. make, gonna mix in, gonna mix in a water here, Joey. Dude, Malik Cunningham is like the by a mile the most redeeming part of this Louisville team. And if he chooses to leave, I don't know what you do from here. Evan Conley's not bad. He ain't Malik Cunningham, man. Like, whew, not good, not good. 
Yeah, I. The reason why I said I have no idea what's going to happen with this game is because I thought it would be competitive, not because I saw Louisville losing this game by like four scores. Yep. Uh, this is unreal. This is unreal. Um, so bad. <laughs> this, this is, is so it, bad for Satterfield, man. They, I agree. Like this is horrible for Satterfield. Again, this this is what I was talking about. I, I forget if it was on the recap of last week or the preview coming into this week. Is this game is not going to get him fired or an extension, but this game is going to set the uh, you know set the tone going into the off season uh, of how are we looking going into year four of Satterfield in twenty twenty two. And not only losing this game, but just getting run out of your own stadium, dude. He's gonna have to go like eight and four or something next year to make everyone feel real good about this again. Otherwise, th- this is this has soured a lot of people really quickly. I think like it's gonna take a lot to come back from this, frankly. Yeah, no, I think so too. And Satterfield's job, you know, in question before this season, mm-hmm. uh, because of self-inflicted gunshot wounds, essentially, uh, not literally, figuratively, <laughs> to his He's a you know man. coaching career. Uh, Anything's possible. Uh, but it was, you know, he was flirting with South Carolina and said he was interested in maybe taking their job, and then his defense for it with the Louisville fan base was that, oh, I'm from the Carolinas. It's like, yeah, but you just took the Louisville job, so like, what the hell are you doing? And then you go six and six, have kind of a mediocre year, and you end it by losing by four uh, four scores to your rival. You lose mm-hmm. by thirty one here to your rival on Senior Day at home. I mean, not great. Sure, not great. Yeah, he's going to be in the hot seat going next year. Hot seat. Hmm. Yeah. All right. No, I think that's well, fair. like hot seat was- going into next year. That's that's fair statement. Yeah. That, that, I think that's that's the conclusion here, and just I don't know. I I, I would assume there's going to be coordinator changes here, at least one. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know that changing coordinators on the offensive side of the ball is going to make a change because I'm pretty sure Satterfield calls plays on offense. So you know, but is Brian Brown still the defensive coordinator going into next year? Probably not. <laughs> Probably know. not. I think that's where you pull the trigger on change. If nothing else, yeah. Or they'll just run it back and be mediocre again. Yeah, I don't know. This this is not a great place for Louisville, Louisville to be. And if you're going to make that change, there's not like an obvious candidate sticking out to me either. So, I don't know. I mean, we're, again, we're in a coaching cycle with major job openings. We have no idea... Who's going to hire who? USC's open. No idea who they're hiring. LSU's mm-hmm. open. No idea, who, as of right now, who they're hiring. Florida's open. Virginia Tech's open. Mm-hmm. TCU, Sonny Dykes just took. Hmm. Like, there's some openings here. I don't know. I mean. This is not the the coaching carousel version that you really want to get involved in if you're Louisville. Agree. So I think they'll wait one more year here. I was going to say, you're, and, you're like the fifth or sixth biggest fish in the pond right now at best at best right at best so so yeah all right nothing else there kentucky 52 louisville 21 we have three games left and two of them were blowouts 
Yeah, yeah. We, we're, we're doing all right. All right, yeah. three games left. Two of them are blowouts, and one of them was competitive only because both teams suck. Which one do we want to talk about first? Uh, the competitive one where both teams suck. Let's go to the Swamp. Florida 24, Florida State 21. Florida State will not be going to a bowl game. Yeah, that's where we're going. Uh, Florida State will not be going to a bowl game because uh, even with a five-win APR qualifier, we know Florida State's not qualified for that. Uh, (laughs) Oh, yeah. Got him. Had to get that in there. Take him while they're down, Mike. That's what I like to do. Uh, I've been doing that for a large majority of this podcast. I have been... Taking it way too harshly for uh, I've been way too harsh on teams that have not been very good today. So, and ha- really haven't been giving enough credit to teams that were good. So, Florida here. So it was it was tied seven seven at the half. Then Florida jumps ahead and they take a seventeen to seven lead going into the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. Florida State kind of made this competitive on the scoreboard, and they were never really out of this game, Joey. But this was not really like an awe-inspiring performance. We had Jordan Travis start the game. Then he got banged up. Mackenzie Milton came in, immediately threw an interception. The next possession, Jordan Travis was still banged up. So Tate Rodemaker was playing some quarterback for a possession. This was freaking musical chairs at quarterback for Florida State, yes. at least for the first half of this game. Like- Correct. Correct. Then Jordan Travis came back in. And, you know, that was good. I mean, they they needed him to play because Mackenzie Milton turned out to not be the UCF Mackenzie Milton because, you know, he's got a million different surgeries he's He's had on that uh, leg. Hashtag medical miracle. Right. Exactly. I mean, they're going to make a 30 for 30. Well, they're going to make like a 30 for 30 on him, just like they did with Alex Smith. I will block my calendar to watch that 30 for 30. Yeah. It'll be really good. That's actually happening, but they should. Yeah. They they, they They should definitely do that. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Florida, Emory Jones threw three interceptions, and then they went to Anthony Richardson, who probably should have been starting all along. Emory Jones is going to have his own 30 for 30, by the way. It's a very different 30 for 30 than Mackenzie Milton's going to have, but he'll have one, I'm sure. Was that 30 touchdowns, 30 interceptions? <laughs> that's the Jameis Winston special. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, that's the that's the Jameis Winston special. Uh yeah, Emory Jones finishes the regular season with 18 touchdowns and 10 picks for what for what it's worth. But we still will not stop getting our jokes off. Uh, I don't. Uh, okay. Um, first off, I am peeved that this morning I chose to wager on Florida State outright. You know, money line plus 130. I was on a plus two and a half. So Instead you weren't alone. This morning, I had the I had the option, and I chose to pass up. Florida State plus three, where I could have just like gotten my money I back just, on, the, on the push. Um, I had I had friends that bet them plus three and a half, and those those tickets cash. I had them at plus two and a half. I believe I had them at plus two and a half. That didn't cash. Let me double check that though, real quick, because I want to make sure. Oh no, it did cash. I had them plus three and a half. Good. Oh hey. Oh Muscle good. Top. Nice. Nice. I just found out that we covered that. I thought I lost. Um, this was not a great showing from Florida State. No, they were terrible. Like, and and credit to Florida. Like, Florida's not a. I don't think they're as bad as people want to make them to be. I agree. And I think it goes a long way when their defense decides that they do like give a damn about the game they're playing. Right. Like, I think part of what had made them so bad was their defense just quitting outright for like a month. 
But yes. I think you got into a rivalry game, and they cared like a little bit to the point they racked up four sacks in this game. All of them, by the way, yeah. from Brenton Cox Jr., which shout out to that guy. What, what yeah. a game. Yeah, it's probably going to be a SEC defense player of the week, potentially. Right, right. Um, so, I don't know. I don't have a, a ton of anything to say here about Florida State. I mean, Florida racked up 13 penalties for 107 yards. Both teams turned the ball over three times. Like, there's, there's only so much that can be drawn from this. This is a pair of teams that were trying to get to bowl eligibility. And somehow, some way, the Florida team that's already lost their coach and has multiple times this year seemed like they're just ready to be done somehow got it done instead of the Florida state team. that felt like they were kind of building something and like, wow, dude, launching, that seems... <laughs> launching into a bowl game, getting extra practices. Like, wow, they were going to have a win total of like eight and a half next year or something. And That's... we were going to be tempted to bet the over. And that just... seems eerily similar to the Commonwealth cup. Doesn't crazy, it crazy? Mike, who what would have world? thought, what in the world? Uh, Jordan Travis was actually okay in this game. He threw for 200 yards, ran for 112. I mean, it could have been worse. He was basically the glue that was holding what was the carcass of Florida State together. Mm-hmm. So I said 112 yards, I meant 102. So my bad, it's late. Uh, but yeah. you get you get the point. He was he was he was good. Dual threat. What what you like to see out of your quarterback, and he kept it competitive, but. I, I agree with you. I mean, the, the story here to me is that Florida is not as bad as a lot of people are willing to let on. I mean, that defense has been horrible all year, but they showed up today. And mm-hmm. when you get a Florida defense that's playing inspired, you get more games like the one we saw earlier in the season when they took Alabama to the brink in the swamp. Yeah, sure. Instead of like losing to Missouri. Uh, I have no other insights on this game. Mike, I, uh, we could we could do a, a tight eight minutes on how are we feeling about Norvell, but I don't know if that's well really, uh, warranted. Uh, we don't we don't moment. need to well we don't need to do a tight eight minutes on, but I will say that there are some signs here in year two. I know the record was five and seven, didn't make a bowl game, whatever, but there are there are some signs here. I think of life. They're better than they were this time last year, which. Is, is more a, than Willie Taggart could say. Is a lot more than I can say about Jeff Collins, Georgia Tech right now. Yeah. So hmm. again, we knew this was going to be a rebuild, right? And we knew that Georgia Tech was going to be a rebuild. And how are we feeling about both programs after? I know Jeff Collins is in year three, but how are we feeling about both programs at the end of year two? Probably better about Florida State than we were about Georgia Tech end of last Dude, year, right? By a friggin' country mile. So man, that's. Like, that's what I'm saying. As as painfully obvious as it was coming out of the Taggart years that were coming out of the Jimbo years, like there was some clear like structural just like the the foundation was cracked at best, if not just like crumbling, right. like cultural problems, like this is a huge huge issue. I agree. And I think some of the things that we've seen over two years, it's not fixed. It, it There's still work to be done, but it's better than it was. Right. And that is better than we can say for a number of new coaches around the country and certainly for, you know, at least one or two around this conference. Right. No, I agree. So I definitely agree. So I, I think year three will be a, 
will be a real growth year. I mean, again, year one for Norvell was during COVID. Year two, they went five and seven, but they were they were getting better towards the back half of the season. And mm-hmm. I think they'll make a bowl game next year. Let's get the band back together. Let's make a bowl game. I'm I think I'm with you. I think they probably let's, will. Let's make a bowl game. Let's win seven or eight next year and let's set up for a big year four. And if they don't make a bowl game next year, I look then, forward to you and I having this conversation at two Eastern in the morning on like a November Sunday morning this time next year, and we'll have a different tune to sing. Right. <laughs> right. But as it looks right now, it looks like Florida State's making some progress. Yep. Yep. Going better for sure. So, all right. We're no APR bowl. No, bottom line, no APR bowl. Florida State. Good That's really Knowles. all I want to get out of this. Good year, Knowles. Uh, okay. Florida 24, Florida State 21. Florida still does not have a coach at the time of this recording. So maybe by the time it's released, they'll have one. I don't know. Who knows? Uh, let's go to Chestnut Hill. Number 18, Wake Forest 41, Boston College 10. And the uh, Deeks are going to Charlotte. Yes, they are. With yes, no more, they are. no more, no less than Dave Clawson and fence yes the claw fence going to charlotte baby let's go yeah most importantly it's not clemson it is not it is not clemson clemson didn't even finish second in the acc atlantic no no like true like I, i don't hate clemson i just like something new is all it is i don't i don't hate clemson either this is just kind of funny I mean, Wake Forest won the ACC Atlantic going 7-1 and one in conference play. Your only loss literally was Clemson. I've also forgotten to ACC press the play. button for like a month and a half, so I had to make sure I pressed it. Well, <laughs> glad you scratched that itch. There you go. Yeah. Uh, all right, how are we feeling about this? I mean, this this was an easy win by Wake Forest. Um, I mean, they were up 24-10 at halftime. And that was about as close as it got. Phil Dracovic threw 11 <laughs> passes and completed three of them. Three uh, of 11, 19 yards, one touchdown, two picks. And in fact, uh, like, he completed two of them to Wake Forest defenders. Um, he, yeah. He almost completed as many to Wake Forest as he did to his own team. He, dude, I'm, I cannot emphasize enough. He ain't right physically. No. I mean, I don't know. Again, I don't know why he came back. I, I, congrats on coming back and beating Virginia Tech. That's the high watermark here. What are like? I don't understand. I mean, he ran for sixty-six yards on top of the three times he was sacked. Like, there's 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 clearly something there. That, there's something that he adds to the game that Dennis Grossel doesn't. Grossel, Grossel. I've never figured that out. Um, but it's not trying to push the ball down the field. <laughs> no, not not at this stage. Uh because I don't know what's going on with him. I mean, mm-hmm. I it's clear he's not healthy. Like his wrist is not healthy. He might have brushed back from that. Whatever. Uh Boston College had almost as many penalties as first downs. Yeah, that's not not great. So that that wasn't good. They had seven penalties for eighty three yards. They had nine first downs in this game to Wake's twenty five. Wake Forest outgained Boston College four thirteen to one eighty two. Boston College had three turnovers. So that they did Forest, have more turnovers plus penalties than first downs. Yeah, so that's just math, Joey. Uh, <laughs> Wake, 
Wake had the ball for 36 minutes in this game to Boston College just 23, so he dominated time of possession. I bet you Wake Forest win probability here was in the high 90s. Uh, yeah, there there is almost no way right? that Boston College will win this game now. And and I forget if we mentioned this on the on the preview, Mike, but there were some rumblings midweek that Boston College had some pretty serious. You know, they they were they were the the school of the week that had like the flu bug running through. Yeah. Um, Jeff Halfley mentioned in one of his press conferences earlier in the week that. You know, it felt like there was at least like a dozen guys on the roster that were going to be hit by the flu bug. And I don't know if that was, uh, you know, there, there's always the chance that you're just trying to soften the blow and prep everyone. But also I was like, going to say, I was going to say uh, the flu bug is the the new code word in college football for teams about to get that ass beat. Yeah, I mean, you lost the second half 17 to nothing while you were already down by two touchdowns going into the second half like yeah it, it makes sense truthfully and I, I don't i don't mean to make light or, or uh you know no. who people being sick but like now if that was true of the case it makes sense because boston college after halftime was giving nothing in this game like yeah i mean the last thing i'm gonna do is is make fun of a team i mean we're coming out of a pandemic right the last thing i'm gonna do is make fun of a team that's you know, got a half team sick. Like we dealt with that in 2020, right? So, uh, but at the same time, it's like, man, did he have a chance anyway? I mean, probably not. Yeah, no. probably not. I mean, we couldn't, we couldn't reason our way into Boston College winning this game. They, they just haven't been as good before the season. Sure, we thought this was a pretty important game to circle. I mean, against but, Wake Forest, and, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna say this, and then I'm done talking mess about Boston College in this game. I swear. After halftime, Boston College had the ball five times. They did not rack up a first down. And ball game. Ball game. Um, Mike, I got to tell you, I am legitimately excited. Again, just from the pure novelty standpoint, Wake Forest going to Charlotte uh, and representing the Atlantic Division, meaning it is not Clemson this year. And by the way, that game with Pitt (laughs) – it's going to be so good. I don't know what the total is. Take the over. That's, over. It's going to be a barn. Over. Over. Neither one plays cover. I was going to say, we have one team that plays a little bit of defense. That's Pittsburgh. And one team that plays no defense. That's Wake Forest. Mm-hmm. And don't let today fool you. Wake Forest plays no defense. Mm-hmm. Don't play a lick of defense. Turns out Boston College doesn't play a lick of offense. So it works out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, take the over in Charlotte next weekend. Take the over. Absolutely. So... Uh yeah, good on you, Wake. You got it done, and, and in a relatively non-stressful fashion. Like it, it was a little bit dicey there for almost a minute in the first half or so, <laughs> and then after that, you just ran away with it, put the game away, and uh, everyone went home happy. So, credit to Wake Forest, man. Congrats on the uh, the first Atlantic Division championship they've had in fifteen years. Yeah, good on you, Wake. Good seven and one, seven and one in the ACC. Get it done. Incl- Let's go. Including a loss to North Carolina that did not count for the conference record. <laughs> let's stop doing that, <laughs> ACC. Like, let's let's quit doing that for reasons. Yeah. All right. Well, that was that was fun. We got one more. Wake forty-one, Boston College ten. Mike, hit me with this. Is an uh, one final game. This was also a blowout, and I don't want to waste too much time on this. 
Pittsburgh 31, Syracuse 14. Pittsburgh was already going to Charlotte. This game meant absolutely nothing to them. And they came out and just beat the brakes off Syracuse. So this was quick and easy. It was 14-7 at halftime. They went up 28-7. to This was uh, Syracuse hung in there as long as they could. And then they remembered that their only source of offense really in this game was going to be their running game. But once that got shut down, you know what that meant? They had to throw the ball to Garrett Schrader, who was fine throwing. Mm-hmm. He was fine. 17-24. to So that's a lot of passes for only 217 yards. But he completed a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Two touchdown passes. And it was clear that Pittsburgh prepared for the Syracuse rushing attack. Sean Tucker, 13 carries, 29 yards here, Joey. And that was about it because Garrett Schrader, including sacks, 16 carries, negative two yards. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, not great. Syracuse's best way to score is to run the ball. They couldn't do it. I'll say this like, as much as this looks like this was just like an easy cruising win for Pittsburgh. Uh, I don't think the story of the game actually played out that way. Uh, Syracuse led seven nothing after the first quarter. Pitt had a fourteen to seven lead at halftime, and then out of halftime, Pitt's offense goes touchdown, touchdown, ten plays, thirty six yards, interception, field goal, end of game. Uh, so really, in four legit possessions in the second half, they racked up seventeen points. Uh, yep. Meanwhile, Pitts or Syracuse goes punt, touchdown, punt, turnover, and downs. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know that Syracuse ever really truly posed a threat, a threat, a threat. Um, later in this game, once again, it is two o'clock a.m. on the Eastern Coast, um, so we're not talking good right now. But um, <laughs> yeah, so a good on Pitt. They, they just know. never Syracuse never it never felt like Syracuse was threatening here really yeah, no. I mean even though Pitt Pitt was never like really and I say you know they went up twenty eight to seven and it was just kind of like in the second half it was kind of ho hum mm-hmm. you know what I mean it never really felt like Syracuse was going to threaten and never really felt like Pittsburgh was going to just blow the doors off Cuse either it mm-hmm. just felt like once Syracuse my my take on this is once Syracuse couldn't run the ball that was a wrap. Mm-hmm. That was a wrap because Pitt was going to do enough offensively that if you couldn't keep it out of Pickett's hands, you were probably going to lose the game. He threw four touchdown passes. Man, and that was the thought was that I I thought Pitt or uh, Syracuse could keep this within you know the eleven and a half was the spread. And looking back on it now, that Syracuse finishes with thirty carries for twenty five yards in this game, and that's not sack adjusted, but like knowing that you're going to try to run the ball into a Pitt defense that is built if nothing else to stop the run. The fact that they couldn't do that. Yeah. The game was over like that. That was never going to yeah. happen at all. So, Hey, credit to Pittsburgh. You got it done. Um, can I get a tight two minutes, Mike on, uh, how are we feeling about Dino at Syracuse? Is that, Oh, I mean, or he's not, we're not firing him. Are we? Come on. I don't think so. I mean, this was a team that won one game last year. They've improved. They have improved. They they had an identity, right? They, the thing that they hadn't had since Dungey left is an identity, and they found it. They run the football, and they got to figure it out on defense, but they're not horrible on that side of the ball, right? They're they're mediocre. Yeah. They still can't really, they can't really throw, but, I mean, there are a lot of teams in the ACC that can't really throw. Like Syracuse, it took a few games before Garrett Schrader was the starter, and then once he was, 
you know, it, it was clear that Syracuse's offense looked a little bit different from an identity standpoint. It was mm-hmm. like, okay, they aren't going to throw the ball well, but we knew they were going to be able to run it, and they were going to have an identity as a power-rushing team to the quarterback position with Sean Tucker, who was emerging as a very good running back out of the backfield for them. So it was clear that they were going to have something there. They weren't going to be able to throw, but they were going to be able to run the ball. And they were playing decent enough defense that if they were able to string together drives and keep their defense rested and, and off the field, they were going to be able to manufacture some wins. So I do think if they went to Gear Trader from the start of the year, Syracuse probably would have made a bowl game. So as probably far as the Rutgers. Well, oh, well, I don't even get me started on Rutgers because I took <laughs> Rutgers today. I took Rutgers today on the money line. And they got the doors blown off of them by Maryland. I couldn't sorry, believe it. 40, 40 to 16, sore subject. But yes, they would have beaten Rutgers. So that's what I'm saying. Like Syracuse probably would have made a bowl game. So you can't, you can't fire Dino. Please do not fire Dino. Well, that, Don't was, do it. that was the thought that I had was, I mean, other than that, what was it like 2018 team with Dungy that made, you know, like 10 and three and they made the, the Russell athletic bowl or the citrus bowl or whatever the hell it is. Like other than that team, this is probably Dino's best team at Syracuse. Isn't it? Oh yeah. Outside of that. I think so. So I think so. Don't, don't throw the baby out with a bathwater situation for me is what this is. Like, you know, I, I realize that they still haven't made a bowl game, but I think, you know, relative to the last couple of years, this is way better to the point that, you know, they might be building something that I don't, I don't know what the ceiling is for Syracuse over like a three-year span. I don't think that there's a point where you're realistically like threatening to win the division. But can you make bowl games and go six and seven wins almost every year? Like, I think so. I think you can build to that and, and get there and you're almost there. I mean, could you turn into basically what Duke was under Cutcliffe? Sure. Yeah, with the exception. I mean, would you that, rather be? The, would you, you know, rather be Syracuse or Duke right now? You'd rather be. You'd rather be Syracuse, right? Yeah, you, you I have. Think I would. You got. You got a. Not that Duke doesn't have a good running back. Mateo Durant's been very good, but mm-hmm. you have a running back. You got. You got a quarterback. You got an identity on defense. Mm-hmm. Like I'd rather be Syracuse right now. Yeah, I think so. I think so for sure. I mean, and, and the, really, the difference is. Well, hey, Mike, well, Duke won the Coastal Division there a few years ago and went to the ACC Championship game. It's like, well, yeah, that was at a time that the whole division was down, you know, for various reasons. And it turns out Clemson's never going to be that down, at least not for the foreseeable future. So, like, it's it's not it's not fair to say, well, if you're if you're, you know, doing the same thing at Syracuse that Cutcliffe was doing at Duke, you'll go to the ACC championship games. Like not necessarily it's you're on the opposite side of the conference. There's different dynamics at play. So there's that, but can you go to a bowl game every year? You know, can you be a competent functional football program and, uh, you know, cover spreads and, and do these things? Yeah, sure. And yeah, and I think I, I just, I think they're going to stick with Dino at least for another year and see how that goes instead of trying I don't to see, start over. I don't see any reason to start over yep. at this point. Um, we had questions about Dino going into the year, and I don't know if those questions are answered long-term, but in the near term, I don't think there's any reason to get rid of him. Yep. Yeah, I agree with that. Pittsburgh, 31, Syracuse, 14. The Panthers meeting the Steeman Deeks of Wake Forest, 
in Charlotte next weekend, and I can't freaking wait, Mike. I'm so. It's gonna be that. good. It's gonna be good. That's gonna be it's fun. gonna be real good. Uh, awards. Awards. Should I uh, cue up the music? Yeah, cue it up. Cue up the Yaku sax. Let's go. The Go ACC moment of the week. Uh, and this is we have we have a couple. We we got a couple. We do have a couple. There were there were candidates this weekend. Uh, the first of all, Virginia trying to score late in the game by throwing a tackle pass. Big yikes. Yeah, yeah. Um, an astute uh, college football commentator uh, known as Richard Johnson of Split Zone Duo, who we mentioned way earlier in this podcast, mm-hmm. said uh, the game is about blocking and tackling, but I don't think he meant like throwing it to your tackle. Yeah, no. It, it, not, not tackling that way. Uh, right. So, little, little different idea in mind. Yeah. And then... The other, the other nice option that we had, I'm trying to remember what game it was in. Uh, Florida State, Florida. Oh, that's right, yeah. And we forgot to mention this a minute ago, so sorry about that. We did. Okay, so so Florida's up by 10 points, I believe, late in the fourth quarter. Florida State's got the ball, drives down, scores a touchdown. So now they're down by three. And so uh, Florida State is going to try the onside kick. And, Mike, you know, there, there's three things you can do with an onside kick. You can go left, you can go right, or you can try the bunt. They tried the bunt. <laughs> they but... Did, they did try the bunt. Yeah. But and then, they whiffed. Yeah. If, if, if you can imagine, you know, you put the ball on the tee, and you go up to try to do the onside kick, and then if, if you were just go like, take a knee right behind the ball and start blowing on it, if you can imagine about how far that would go... Yeah, that's about how far the ball went <laughs> on the uh, Florida State bunt onside kick attempt. And uh, an, they did not get it a full 10 yards to, be, to say the least. There's an old saying, Joey, that I just made up. Uh, kickers kick until they don't. Uh, <laughs> they they didn't. They to. <laughs> they didn't, but they tried. Yeah, they, they, they tried. So... Go ACC to you, Florida State's special teams and uh, Virginia's offense near the maybe, red zone late in the game. Maybe, maybe the Go ACC moment of the week is the tackle pass, and the you tried award is Florida State's kicker trying to kick. Oh, I like that. That makes for less work for us. That's good. <laughs> it, it makes it makes for less work, and it actually makes a lot of sense. So I think we're gonna go with that. There you go. Uh, go ACC to you. Uh, wait, which one did we say? Uh, it's 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 go ACC to UVA That's on right. the tackle pass. Okay. Yeah, and it's uh, the U tried award. Brian Van Gordon Memorial U tried award goes right. to Florida State for inability to kick. And you I'm not talking like field goal kick. I'm talking like like make contact on onside when the ball's not moving and you don't have people rushing you. So um, honorable mention U tried award. By the way, Mike, uh, I don't know if you realize this, but. Georgia Tech has now played like nine quarters of football without scoring an offensive touchdown. So, <laughs> Georgia Tech, you tried to get in the end zone. And, yeah. Uh, you almost got there. You almost got there. Yeah. Dave Patton, oh, man. I'd get that resume tidied up. Still employed as of 1 a.m. Central Time, as far as I can tell. We'll find out. Uh, he's going to have options available to him, because I think there are going to be other jobs opening up on various coaching staffs around the country. 
He's all yours, bro. He's all yours. If you want him. I, I, I'm, as a school that's employed Scott Leffler, I am more than good on that. <laughs> pass. Don't do that. We will pass. Yes. Thank Mike, you, though. Mike, do we have a, a Kobe Bryant memorial you tried to work? Uh, Kobe, uh, Kobe, Kobe Bryant Memorial Volume Shooter of the Week. I, I believe you mean. What, I don't know what I said. What did I say? Uh, you said the Kobe Bryant Memorial. You tried to work. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Kobe Bryant Memorial yeah. Volume Shooter yeah. of the Week award. Do we have yeah, one? Of those? You, you, you tried to fly to your daughter's basketball game. <sighs> and, oh, no, sorry, oh, oh no! Too soon. Too soon. And oh. Yeah. No. Yeah, that was bad. This oh. R.I.P. Kobe. Okay. I just say things that our sponsors would be proud of. Uh, I, I, I do have... Mention our sponsor. It's probably for the best, but we know Steven's listening. Whatever. He won't He won't be offended. He wants to be on the show. Uh, well, I mean... <laughs> hey, we're nothing if not entertaining. And people listen to this podcast. And people buy stuff from Section 103. So... It's been a successful partnership, I think. Uh, Phil Dracovic, volume shooter of the week, 3 of 11, 19 yards. He threw 11 passes and came up with 19 yards? Yeah. Goodness, yep. Phil. He completed almost as many passes to the other team as he did to his own team. He ain't right, man. No. He deserves so. better. I think every uh, pass he completed was his eighth flowers, by the way. Uh, <laughs> I, I just closed the box score, so I can't verify that, but sure. Only one of the only one of the three was the safe flowers. It was a, a, one reception for one yard. That explains. That's one of the many reasons why they lost by thirty-one points. Right. Right. Yeah, no, man, that that Kobe. Man, that Kobe comment was in poor taste. Huh? I'm sorry, everybody. I'm really sorry. That was that was that was horrible. I should have said that. R.I.P. Kobe. Uh, that was brutal. Oh, that was tough. That Dark humor. <laughs> <laughs> No. Hope everybody. Hope everybody is still chooses to listen to us. Oh, <laughs> you're on my out. My God, Mark. Uh, oh, okay. All right. Okay. I made. I made Joey. I made Joey cringe there. Do we have any <laughs> players of the week? Uh, do the we? best part of that. The best part of that was you were really uncomfortable afterwards too. You're like, oh, <laughs> man, oh. We got almost all the way through the Saturday night recap without saying something wildly inappropriate, and then Mike just well, no, we we actually on the whole thing. We want to peel back the onion and pull back the curtain a little bit. We actually had a cold open that we had to reset, as we mentioned earlier. That's so right. we actually made it less than five seconds into the show tonight without me making an appropriate comment. That is so, true. That is uh, true. I, I, you, you have to be proud of me for lasting like an hour and 35 minutes without making a, an inappropriate comment. You, you have been a survivor. I've held it back. It's, I, it's been I, good. I've been nothing if not restraining myself. Raheem Blackshear and Braxton Burmeister had 30 carries for the better part of 300 yards. Um, yes. I think they qualify as potential player of the week, like co-player of the week situation. Agree. Um, I don't know that anyone else really, really sticks out to me unless they stick out to you. The only other guy I'll mention just because his catches were high leverage and his stats ended up being pretty good. Emeka Mezzi had five catches for 112 yards and two touchdowns, and mm-hmm. he was huge in the fourth quarter. So yeah. just high leverage receptions, situation, game state, all that. Definitely a couple big moments for him. Yeah, definitely. 
including the one that, yeah, I mean, they were down by nine points. The game was over, and then UNC blew a coverage, and there was a Mecca Mezzi just wide open. I, I mean, yeah. <laughs> that that was kind of the thing that sparked the whole actual win for NC State. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, maybe – Maybe honorable mention for Brian Armstrong for continuing to pull the dead carcass that is UVA football around. <laughs> Get one last shot in there, Mike. I had to, uh, but he was good. I mean, he was real good. 400 yards passing and two touchdowns on the ground. Well, that was, he was good. Brandon Armstrong. Wait, oh, you, oh, you, oh God, I am so confused with what's happening. You're talking about Brandon Armstrong. I thought you were talking about Braxton Burmeister. I was like, my man Burmeister no. did not throw uh, for 400 yards in this game. Uh, no, nope. I said Brandon Armstrong. Or any game ever. I, no, that's – I would definitely would not make that mistake. He had a career passing day throwing for like 275 against Georgia Tech. <laughs> like, he did this, not throw for 400 yards. But Just, yeah. another, just another feather in the cap for Andrew Packer. Brandon Armstrong – doing the lord's work for uh, virginia's offense there so yes yeah he was he was quite good yeah credit to him all right uh team of the week i guess virginia tech got bulgeable i mean it's my hokies or, or wake forest winning the division yep i think both of those are co-teams of the week there you go all right mike that's all i got anything else i'm sorry everybody it's time for bed let's go let's get out of here i'm i'm very i'm very sorry yeah <laughs> You all deserve better than this. <laughs> I am sorry, but we did get a review. Can we talk about the review we got real quick? Oh my gosh, did we? Yeah, Uriah, uh, our boy, our boy or female—I'm not sure. Uriah, our listener is back. Yes, our listener <laughs> sent us a review on Tuesday following our recap show last Saturday night. <laughs> Are you ready? Oh my god, I'm reading it right now. Oh my god. Great ACC content. This is a five-star review, by the way. Great <laughs> ACC content. Mike is edgy. I must have said something inappropriate. Mike is edgy, which I know after the last like five or so minutes of this podcast, you're all shocked that I, w- I would ever say anything inappropriate on here. <laughs> Ready? Yeah. Lay it on me. Hold it, hold it together, Joey. Mike is edgy. Joey, who conceived this baby, yes, is cool as a matador. And Joey, you are the glue that holds this podcast because <laughs> I could go off the rails. This is not something that he said. This is something that I said. So thank you for that. Back to the uh, back to the review. One of the most insightful get- reviews we've ever gotten. <laughs> it was great getting the recap early. The dog votes yes for game day post game <laughs> basketball conference bull fight. We we get new. This is at least the third review that we've gotten from this particular listener. <laughs> And every one of them, the dog has most of the uh, the really insightful uh, opinions on the show. So yeah, thank you for sharing us with your dog. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, the bullfight might be in reference to you and I arguing over how many points it would take for me to bet on South Carolina, and I guess the number should have been thirty. Because... It seems like it might should have been thirty, Mike. <laughs> should have been thirty. Yeah, <laughs> should have been thirty. So, whoops. <sighs> okay. Good for everybody making it through the podcast. I'm just going to slide this in there. Shout out to Scott because I know Scott's still listening. And I know that as soon as we'll mention this, we'll get the Jim Nance (laughs) picture. Hello, friends. Um, Hello, hello, friends. (laughs) Sometime tomorrow or Monday. So, and I look forward. uh, Yes. And I look forward to that picture every week. So just got to slide it in to make sure we get the love we deserve. 
the uh, the Saturday Night Recap was simultaneously the best and worst idea we've ever had. So, yeah, I mean, if, if you're okay with inappropriate jokes, this is a show for you. <laughs> Uh, if not, then we encourage you to check out our previews that we do during the week at like Tuesday at nine o'clock. That's right. That's right. Those sure. are, uh, yeah, more on the rails for what that's worth. Sometimes. Should we get out of here, Mike? We should. Should we tell the people that stuff or just like bail? Uh, basketball conference podcast at gmail.com. You can Nailed find us on it. Facebook. Rate, review, sub- thank you. Rate, review, subscribe, uh, wherever you get your podcasts. We encourage you to do that. We're also on Instagram. Spotify iTunes, Spotify, all those places. We also have an Instagram that we don't use. So go check all those things out. Follow us on the unused Instagram, please. Joey, we'll preview the ACC championship game later this week. Hell yeah, we will. I can't wait. Get us out of here, Joey. We're taking the over. Taking the over. For Mr. Mike McDaniel, I am Joey Weaver. We will talk to you again soon. Until next time, go ACC. Go ACC.